Hi, and welcome to Lifehouse Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. My name is Ben Hobson, and I'm here to introduce once again Mr. David Thomas, who will be continuing his discussion on how to avoid taking hurt and offence within the church. As always, please visit our website if you have any comments or thoughts on this podcast at www.life-house.net. Thanks very much for listening. Well, welcome everybody. Good to have you all back. Uh, the year is about to get into swing for most of us now, so our holidays all over and it's the year ahead. School has started and, uh, well, praise God. Part two, how to avoid hurts and offenses in the church. Very, very strange subject matter for a church. Um, as I mentioned in last week's message, I preached this at every church I've gone into since I've got this material from a very old Bible college, uh, not a Bible college, a Bible study teacher of mine when I was back in um, one of the churches in South Africa where I was a young, young person. And uh, what I'm wanting to do now and why, why I'm bringing it out again is we are about to enter in to our first campaign that we have deliberately implemented. And there is going to be an effect against us. And oftentimes the effect against us manifests in a specific way and we need to be very, very aware of how it manifests and be aware of what it looks like in ourselves as an individual, in our family, and in our church family. So last week I shared with you two reasons on how to avoid hurt and offense, and they were don't have unrealistic expectations of the church. And the second one was do not rush to trust in the arm of flesh or don't trust in people. Now, if you want to know more about that, go to the iTunes, download the sermon from last week, um, and you can find it all there. Before I get into a couple of points today, I want to just recap on four things I introduced to you last week, just to give you a recap, uh, catch you up. And the first thing I said to you was that we are entering a year as a church where we don't have an excuse to disciple someone. And the minimum outreach that every single one of us, I'm calling every single one of us to do, is the minimum we, we need to do is to reach out for someone that's unsaved and invite them to the Alpha Dinner in June. That is our minimum task. And we've got a couple of months to start with. We are entering a time of prayer and fasting where this is what we are praying for. We are going into the strong man's house. We are binding him up. We are taking away his weapons and we are loosing the treasure. And this is what we are praying for. And as we begin to pray, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to download in you who you need to speak to and how you need to approach him. And so this is a year of no excuse with regards to discipleship. The second point I introduced last week was forewarned is forearmed. I like to be forewarned about a situation so that I can at least prepare it. Not that it's going to make the situation easier or more likable or more pleasant or better. I just like to be aware. And so I'm giving you out this warning to say we are going into the strong man's house. And not even a demon likes to get his clothes taken away and his things taken away from him and his treasure. He will counterattack. He'll do it individually, he'll do it in the family, and he'll do it in the church. So be forewarned, it is happening. 
And then I gave you a whole lot of, uh, in my third point, I gave you a whole, about 13 points, quickly, quick points about different ways the enemy attacks. And you can go and hear that on the iTunes. I'm not going to go through them there. And then the last point I made in my introduction was I took this out of John Eldridge's boot camp material on warfare. Make the assumption that everything is an attack until proven otherwise. All right? If something's coming at you and you recognize something, assume it's an attack, put your weapons up, put your shields up, and then if it's not, it's okay. So make that assumption. Be alert. Avoid depending, avoid developing unreasonable expectations of the church, and don't place absolute trust in people. Number three, focus on common ground. All right. 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, a church that's divided over two general areas. Now, I've got a whole lot of Bible students that are starting their Bible colleges, so I'm going to be, have to be very aware in the months ahead that just throwing out these assumptions of like recollected knowledge. All right, so here it goes. Two general areas in the Corinthian church that started to divide the church was over spiritual gifts and their, and their exercising in the church and sexual promiscuity in the church. And that started to divide the church up. And so Paul writes to the church, and this is what he says. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. If you go and look at the state of the church... At the birth of the church in the book of Acts, there were certain things that took place there. Now, you've got to remember, this church was comprised of all kinds of people. And yet, Luke, when he writes Acts, he says they devoted themselves in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to one and anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who have been saved. Favor of the people and God started to bring out blessing because of the unity, the common ground that was in existence within that church. We have more in common than not because we've got Jesus. However, unfortunately, but we all have opinions. Now I want you to start, okay, I, I, need, I, need, I need to start teaching you how to look at people when I'm talking about this. So, so you've got to look at me, all right? And then just out of the corner of your eye, just catch that person in the corner of your eye, each one. Yeah, you got, got him? You got that person? You see them? They have opinions. And they've got opinions about their opinions. And they've got opinions on those opinions. Now look at the other person, the other side of you. All right. They've got opinions about you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right 
They've got opinions about, about you. Now what's an opinion? Opinion is a viewpoint. Your viewpoint. An opinion is your estimation. It's your belief. It's your judgment. It's your attitude. People with high opinions and are vocal about their opinions get hurt. Because when they give their opinions, sometimes those opinions are just not so well received. Okay? And then they get hurt. Opinions are your interpretations about your ideas, about situations, circumstances, people around you. They're not bad. But if you come along and constantly press in on your opinion, irrespective, you're going to get pressed back. And that's where hurt comes, that's where dissension comes, that's where division comes, and that's where we start focusing off common ground. And so what we've got to do in a church is we've got to learn how to share our opinions so that we don't offend other people with our opinions. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the common ground. That all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought, operating as one. As we go into the school, we have to operate as one. Common ground, one purpose. One goal, one thing that we are going to do this year. We are going to go out, we're going to bind the strong man, we're going to take his armor away from him, and we're going to take his treasure. That's what we're going to do this year. Simple. The Bible says, speak the same thing, so that there will be unity in the body of Christ. And the only way that there can be unity in the body of Christ is if we focus on common ground. And the easiest way to focus in on common ground is to base that common ground on an absolute, which is Jesus Christ. Paul writes to Timothy, and he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage, and with great patience and careful instruction. What is he saying to Timothy? Preach the word, not your opinion. Now, we all have our opinions. And they are great opinions. I mean, my opinions, oh, you've got to hear them. They are fantastic. And so are yours. But if we're continually pushing our opinion without being sensitive, it will lead to conflict. And so we've got to, the Bible tells us to avoid controversy. Avoid these situations that differences can arise. Stand fast on common ground. 
Jesus, His life, His death, His resurrection, His ascension, His sending the Holy Spirit, and His command, go into the world. Don't add. Proverbs 35 to 6 says, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. But do not add to His word, or He will rebuke you and prove you a liar. So what does this attack look like when it comes? The religious spirit appears like an angel of light. And he will come in and he will make your opinion be the greatest thing since sliced, sliced bread. Eh? And cheese. And he will build this opinion up in you to an extent that you will go and share this opinion... And before your opinion, all other opinions must bow. And pride comes in at that point. See the person there? They've got an opinion too. Person there? They've got an opinion too. And so, we need to be very aware that we focus in on common ground. That's my third point. So, one, avoid... Developing unreasonable expectations in the church. Number two, don't place your absolute trust in people. And number three, focus in on common ground. Number four, don't expect the church to be perfect. Okay? Now, I, I exercise. Look at the person next to you. And think in your head there, that person is not perfect. Now remember, they're looking at you too, right? I heard a sermon ages ago. I can't even remember who the preacher is. Maybe it was Derek Prince or someone like that. But he said, if you're looking for the perfect church, and you... Was it, was it Derek? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, 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 and you're walking around looking for the perfect church, and you, and you come to the edge of a church door, and you're about to go in, and you think, this is the perfect church. Don't go in, because the minute you go in, it's not perfect anymore. This is what Paul writes. Interesting. Romans 7, verse 8, chapter 18. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful flesh. Anything in my flesh is not good. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. If I, if, I, if I have to operate from my flesh, if I want to do something good, it's not going to happen from my flesh. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do, that I keep on doing. It's remarkable. The greatest writer of the New Testament comes along and says, I got some bad stuff in me. Like us, he experiences troubles. He experiences problems in his flesh. He has a fight to do what is right. He is the leading author of the New Testament. He is an apostle. And he admits this. person next to you, you, the person on the other side of you, we are imperfect and we are the church this side of glory. 
The church that side of glory is perfect. The church this side of glory is imperfect. And since the church is made up of us who have imperfections, there will never be such a thing as a perfect church. And so if you are coming to a church and you come into a church and you are expecting it to be at a specific level of perfection, not going to happen. And remember what I said about expectations. You will get hurt. You've got, you, you, you got to get this understanding into your mind and into your heart and into your spirit. Because the more unrealistic your view is of the church, eventually the more disillusioned you are going to become, the more hurt you're going to become, and you will become a displaced Christian. In other words, a Christian that starts to wander from church to church to church. Paul writes to the Philippians in chapter 2. He says, listen to this. This is brilliant. Therefore, my dear ones, and I'm reading out of the Amplified, as you have always obeyed my suggestion, so now not only with the enthusiasm you now show in my presence, but much more because I'm absent. Now this is it. Work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your salvation with reverence and awe and trembling. And this is what I also like about the Amplified. Self-distrust with serious caution tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, and I love this one, timidity, sh timidly shrinking from whatever offends God and discredits the name of Jesus. That's where you are. That's where I am. Fearfully, with awe, with reverence, self-distrust, with cautious, with caution, tenderness of conscience, watching against temptation, timidly, timidly shrinking from what offends God and, and, and discrediting His name. That is what we are doing, and that's where we are working, and that's what we are working towards. The job of the church is to help you move from where you are to become like Jesus. Ephesians 4, so Christ Himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The religious spirit comes in. I want you to listen carefully. When the religious spirit comes in, certain things start to take place. The religious spirit is going to move you from Holy Spirit anointed grace life to legalism. One of the quickest ways you can find out that you are in the presence of someone manifesting or motivated by a religious spirit is when you continually feel inferior to that person. You will continually feel like a failure because a religious person will come over and want, I am perfect. And then you must do this. And in, in, in order for you to do this, one, rule one, rule two, rule three, rule four, rule five. Self-conceit, self-righteousness, pride, bound by rules and regulations, a fear of stepping out of that. You know, wanting position and wanting to dominate down. 
In contrast to this, the Holy Spirit comes in and, 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 and develops a positive outlook with a person and the person will be able to find beauty in everything he sees. And so later on in the book of Philippians, Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is poor, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Characteristic of a religious person is a negative person. One of them. Really just... Coming in at you and just saying, wrong, wrong, wrong. You must have these rules, these rules, these rules. And if you reach those rules, there'll be more rules and there'll be more rules. And this is one of the things in Matthew 20, 23 that Jesus hammered the Pharisees with. He says, you people are blind guides. You're making rules upon rules upon rules that you're not following and that the people have to follow. Don't expect perfection. Don't come into the church and expect the church to operate at a specific level to meet you, but you're not meeting them at that level. That's number four. Unreasonable expectations. Don't trust in people. Focus on common ground and don't expect any church to be perfect. That's number four. All right. Number five, and in here I've got five points. Don't promote yourself or your agenda. All right? If you want to get hurt in a church, come in and promote yourself. Come in and promote your agenda. Come in and promote your opinion. You're going to get hurt. Listen carefully to what I'm going to say now. God has given every one of us giftings. God has given every one of us a ministry. God has given every one of us a call. And God has placed us within a specific body to carry out that. So how are you going to activate your ministry? Simple. God your giftings, your action will open the ministerial doors. I'll guarantee you that time and time again. You walk into a church, God is going to open the door for you. God is going to activate your ministry for you. And your actions, what you do, how you do it, will open the door more than what you say. I preached a sermon a couple of years ago here. I developed it in South Africa in my first church about displacement Christians, how Christians get displaced. And this is pretty much similar to that kind of a sermon where a Christian will be displaced. They just become, they, 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 they become Christians without homes. And they just wander from church to church. Sometimes it's the problem of the church, the local church, just hurting them. And sometimes it's them and their attitudes and how they behaved within the church. And then they, they, they develop this attitude and then they wander from church to church. Now often what happens is they will walk into a church and they'll announce themselves. I have arrived. 
Hallelujah. You can roll out the carpet. Thank you. Uh, Pastor, just announce me and step aside and watch what God does. <laughs> oh. I, I, I've not run a church where that hasn't happened to me. Uh, and, and you know, the minute it happens, the minute it happens, I know a couple of things are going to take place here. All right? One, that person's going to get hurt. Two, my reputation's going to go down again. <laughs> and three, so is the reputation of this church. Paul writes to the Roman church, chapter 12, verse 3. He says, For by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. I, I will guarantee you, I will guarantee you, as a pastor, as been running a church since 1987, I'll guarantee you this. Most church leaders, when new people walk into the church, are not listening to what's coming out their mouth, but they are watching with discernment about what God is saying and what God is doing and what that person is doing. Jesus says, take my yoke upon, uh, upon you, learn from me, I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest from your souls. He goes on to say in John 7, whoever speaks on his own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is the man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Another thing about this point that I'm, I'm, I'm raising here is when you go into a church, avoid a competitive attitude. All right? Avoid a comparative attitude. A lot of people get into trouble in two ways. They will look at someone in the pulpit or they will look at someone in the, stand, in the band, in the music team, and they will think, I want that. I should be there. That's my place. And they will go after that in an ungodly way and cause, cause friction. They'll get hurt. God will open the door. Your gift will open the door your action will open the door. Not conflict, not comparison. Paul writes into the Corinthian church, we, uh, chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 12, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. My third point under this section is that a philosophy of a Christian is that we're not here to outdo one another. We have to complement one another. We are one body. And so that body needs to work in sync, in synergy, together as one. And so the Bible says that we need to submit to one another. The Bible says that we need to prefer one another. Ephesians 5.21 and Romans 12.10. You can go and read that at home. Under this point again... Don't expect to receive preferential treatment or get everything your own way when you come into a church. If you come into a church and you expect preferential treatment and the church gives it to you, 
The church is in sin. Did you know that? Yeah? This, this happens with famous people. They get saved, and suddenly they get whisked onto the pulpit. Preferential treatment. And then they go down. And everyone's going, oh, what happened? Preferential treatment. They did not go through the training ground. This is what James says. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by law as lawbreakers. We are as one. We go into battle as one. And you're not always going to get your own way. Just a little side point about that is, 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 is um, handling God's glory. This is just a little bit of a uh, racket. If you're doing something and you really, and, and, and God's anointing's on it and you're blessed and things are happening and man, you, you walk away and you're feeling, whoa, that was great, what a fantastic service. And, and, and people are coming up to you and saying, praise God, brother, praise God, sister, that was fantastic. That is, for, for what, what, oh, the anointing of God is on you. The first thing you do when you get home is pass that glory on as if it's a hot rock in your hand. Back to God. You don't want to get caught with God's glory on you. All right? Little, as little time as possible, handle God's glory. Give it straight back to Him. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I mean, even, even your actions sometimes need to be hidden. We're going into prayer and fasting now. Okay? <laughs> I don't know what I either spoke about this on the podcast for spiritual warfare last week. But, you know, when we go and do this, we're not going to, well, it might be too late now because this podcast is going out and it's like all around. But we're not going to walk around proclaiming, hallelujah, I'm fasting. I'm in a time of fasting, Hallelujah. The anointing is on me. You know, we've been, been, been more than we are. We're not going to be doing that. We're going to go around normal. Act normal, behave normal, be normal, do our thing. Because be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. I want my reward from my Father in heaven. Thank you. I don't want it from you. Amen. Same as you. I'd rather have God give it to me. That's just by the way. Free. All right, last, last point in this section. This is pretty important. Avoid presuming, now we're going back to opinion now. Avoid presuming that your opinion is indisputable or divinely given. Okay? I, I, I was brought up in the Pentecostal church with, with the manifestation of speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, and we used, to, we used to have to do it in our public services. Now, since we've run in this church, you know I don't, I don't do that here. I, don't, I, 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 I discourage that. If it happens, I won't discourage it. 
Because what I used to find happening is old brother so-and-so will jump up every week from the same pew and utter the same tongue that hadn't changed in decades. And then the other side of the church, sister so-and-so would get up and thus saith the Lordeth and present her gripe for the week for the pastor to take heed of and chastise someone in the congregation. I grew up on this. Now, I'm not saying God did not speak in those times. God did. God spoke truth in those times, and, it, and, 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 and He does, and He will continue to do so. So I'm not negating all of that. But what I'm saying is, and, and, and what I'm cautioning is, when you come and present something to the body, be careful of the package in which you present it. If you present it as your idea, come humbly to the leadership and say, this is what I'm thinking, and let them go and deal with it, pray about it, and come back to you on it with their decision. If you believe it's of the Lord and you have the confidence to say, thus saith the Lord, submit it to the elders of the church for judgment. Don't be scared of the word judgment because they are protecting you, and if it's wrong, they will come and train you and help you clear up the voice of God in your head and, and, and what you're getting. If you are a little bit unsure, but you really feel burdened that this is God speaking and you don't want to say, thus saith the Lord, come along to the elders of the church and say, I believe this is what God has given to me. Please, I'm submitting this to you. Pray about it and judge it. And then get back to me. One of the policies I've implemented here at LifeHouse is that if ever, ever there's a word given and it gets judged, it goes into a journal and we track it. And if it's given to a specific ministry, it gets given to that ministry and it gets tracked to that ministry to be applied and implemented. And that's why we get people to write these ideas down. Two Th Corinthians thirteen one. This will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. One Corinthians fourteen twenty nine. Remember, I told you one of the problems in the church was specifically what I'm saying, where everyone was getting up and saying, "Thus saith the Lord." Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should wait carefully what is said. In the Old Testament, Moses writes in the book of Exodus, he says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will, hold, will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. It, it, it amazes me how often Christians attach this phrase to their opinions. The Lord has told me. The Lord has told me. You know how rare it is that I do that? I, I'm, I'm still I'm terrified of doing that. I, I'm very careful of doing that. And I more often than cover myself, in other words, right, I'm covering my behind here, but with the Lord, good practice by saying, this is what I believe.
God is saying. Yeah, so if I stand before judgment, I say, well, I said this is what I believed. <laughs> you probably say, you know what I said to you. So come out and say it. <laughs> As you practice getting to know God's voice, um, be hesitant before invoking the name of the Lord. And especially be hesitant invoking the name of the Lord in a church that really judges prophetic words like ours. Because we will come back to you and say, yes, you were right. Or we will come back to you and say, you see this part of the word here? You need to go and pray about God, what God is saying. We want more information. Or my brother, my sister, this is not of the Lord. Uh, you need to get retrained and we'll take you through the How to Hear God's Voice course by Mark Verkler or by whatever else we're going to be doing, Lena and, and Rich is going to be doing in the year ahead. 2012. Okay. That's number five. Avoid developing unreasonable expectations. Don't place absolute trust in people. Focus in on common ground. Don't expect the church to be perfect and don't promote yourself or your own agenda. Okay, I've got time for one more. Right? You want one more? Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't all rush. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got 13 to go, so I want to get them out of the way. All right, the last one. Okay. Avoid blaming the church for your problems and your sin. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. When the religious spirit comes in, all right, and, and, and you are confronting the religious spirit, and I said this to someone this morning, you'll never win. And after getting the eyes go like that, I said, but you will always have victory. Alright? What I mean by you will never win is this. The religious spirit is never wrong in itself. If Jesus himself was here and the religious spirit was here, the religious spirit would point to Jesus and say, you are wrong. That's how bad the deception is in that spirit. And so if you come along and, and speak to someone and you're using the word of God, they'll say, oh, you've been too, too spiritual. So heavenly minded, you know, earthly good. And you come along and then you start using the constitution. They'll start to say to you, oh, you're so legalistic and unspiritual. Never win. You know what Jesus' method was? Just call them for what they were. Straight out. Go read Matthew 23. Just call them for what they were. The politically correct spirit, which is the evil twin brother of the religious spirit, never accepts responsibility or blame for their own personal decisions and choices. Look what's in the world there. They put in a label on every bad behavior and say it's because of this that's happening. No, you're making a choice. That's why that's happening. One John one eight to ten in the Amplified Version says this: If we say we have no sin, refuse to admit that we are sinners, 
we delude and lead ourselves astray and the truth which the gospel presents is not in us and does not dwell in our hearts. What does Paul say about his flesh? It's there. We've all got issues. Say, look at the person there. Look at them. Think, oh, that person's got some bad habits in them. <laughs> that person's dealing with some heavy stuff in their life. Oh, yeah. Just remember, they're looking at you. If we freely admit that we have sin and uh, that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive us our sins and dismiss our lawlessness and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness, everything not in conformity to his will in purpose through and thought and action. If we say and claim we have not sinned, we contradict his word and make him out to be false and a liar, and his word is not in us, the divine message of the gospel is not in our hearts. The religious spirit says you have to be perfect to be able to minister. Not so. But don't come and blame the church for your problems, your sin, and your bad decisions. Because you will get hurt. Do you know how many people have left the church and blamed the church for what they've done, for a choice they've made? Then the church gets blamed. We've been going for four years. You've got a bad reputation. Oh, mine's worse. Thank you, Carolyn, for reminding me. <laughs> What's, what, what sin does inside you is it, it, it puts stress in your life whether you like it or not, okay? So that flesh in you, and Joyce Meyer says it never gets any smaller. I'll have to use a Star Wars quote. I was actually thinking about this today, and I, oh, I have to use it. It's like the flesh is like Jabba the Hutt, all right? I was trying to use the Stargate one with him as a ghoul, but then people will think they're totally possessed by a ghoul. So, okay, your flesh is like Jabba the Hutt. It's just that big, fat toad thing. And it just like gulps and eats and just wants to satisfy us all its desires. Now, your spirit, your, your, your heart, which God has placed, your new nature, which God has placed in you, the two produce a stress inside of you that explodes. Something's got to give. And either your heart gets, em correct word, em em emancipated by starving, or your flesh, Princess Leah strangling him with a chain. Kill, you, kill the, you kill this thing every day. So sin produces the stress within you and it explodes. And if it's habitual and God takes you into the training desert to deal or the sin desert to deal with it, all these choices you, you, you start to make in, the, in, in that sin desert, if you're not listening to what God is saying and, the, and, and, and His discipline moves from from speaking to you to, to, to chastisement, to judgment, if you blame the church, you're going to get hurt. 
I love the sermon by Paul Scanlon. I, it, 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 it confirmed so much of my thoughts. And I, I, I can't remember the exact title, but was Protecting the Baby. You know, where you protect the reputation of the church when these people rush off out there and just start to blame the church because of their problems and their sin. The job of the church is to take you from where you are and make you like Jesus. And the process of doing that is, is a painful process. You know, it's a training process. It's a hard process. It's a discipleship process. And so we need to be aware of what God wants to do in and through us and what He gets the church to do for us to bring us to that point of maturity. Training. That's how it happens. Continue to command these things and to teach them. Let no one despise or think less of you because of your youth. But be an example, a pattern for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. 1 Timothy 4, 11-12. You know, as we go out to minister to this world and to this corner of the vineyard that God has called us to minister to, and as we start to reach out and touch people and bring them out of bondage, bring them out of that Isaiah 61 prison situation, I'm going to tell you something now. Let us teach them correctly from the beginning. Let us teach them the ways of God from the beginning. Go and read Timothy. This is what Paul writes to Timothy in chapter 2, uh, second book of Timothy, chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you, I command you, in the presence of God and of His Christ, who judges the living and the dead and by the, in, in, in the light of his coming and his kingdom, herald and preach the word and keep your sense of urgency. He goes on and he says, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether it is convenient or inconvenient, whether it is welcome or unwelcome, you as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong and convince them, rebuking and correcting, warning, urging, encourage them, be, being unflagging and inexhaustible in patience and teaching. And then he goes on to talk about the end time people in terms of how they don't want to hear the truth of God. They want to get teachers who are going to teach them what their itchy ears want to hear. Go and read that chapter. When training begins, God is going to increase the stress as He grows your spirit and you shrink and starve your flesh. Go and read the podcast, Training, 201 onwards. Ben and I are going to be dealing with the enemy this week. And we're going to start on, on, on looking at the enemy. Now the pressures that you're going to feel are going to be pressures within yourself, emotional, spiritual. Uh, and, and these might cause distorted perceptions. Be aware. Be, be, be very, very careful. I'm just throwing thoughts out at you right now. And, and Carolyn might touch on this next week. Of the difference between conviction and condemnation. 
where, where the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and where, where the devil is speaking. Be aware of all of that. In all of the above, and I'm going to finish now, God is willing and able to take you through. He will take you through. No matter how deep your valley might be, He will be there with you. No matter what heat of the fire is going to come, He will be in the furnace with you. Remember the boys in Daniel, the book of Daniel. He was there in the furnace. Now you might not like the temperature. Okay? Now you might not like the darkness. You might not like the stresses. But God will be there. Trust in Him. Talk to your leadership. Work with them. They're there to work with you and walk with you. Okay. What have we done so far? We're looking at how to prevent hurt and offense. And we're looking at how the, the religious spirit is going to come in and try and disrupt us as we go in to his house to take possession. Avoid developing unreasonable expectations. Don't place absolute trust in people. Focus on common ground. Don't expect the church to be perfect. Don't seek to promote yourself or your own agenda. Avoid blame uh, and avoid blaming the church for your own problems and your own sin. Now next week I want to talk about how to treat other people. Uh, being devoted to love and forgiveness, being teachable and having a co cooperative attitude, and not hindering the church and being careful what you sow. Amen? Amen. God bless you.